1: I'm Sarah Schultz and this is People Over Politics, a show that sets aside politics to focus on the issues that matter to the members of our community. I'm a committed community member and also a candidate for the Michigan House in the 98th District. The community members that we have here today will be discussing the opioid epidemic, namely the devastation that opioids have on our community and the solutions to the problems impacting our loved ones. Last week, the CDC issued a report that uh, told us that the death rate due to drug overdose declined in 2018 for the first time in in the last decade. But they warned that there were still 67,000 deaths in 2018 as a result of overdoses. And the decrease in deaths from opioids wasn't uniform across the country. In fact, in 2017, one study showed that the percentage of opioid deaths in Michigan was far greater than the national average. There are also troubling new trends emerging that show the increase in synthetic opioids like fentanyl, deaths from stimulants like cocaine, and an increase in deaths related to the mixing of drugs. So as they reported, it is not time to take our foot off the gas when it comes to this epidemic. So many of us have been personally impacted by this epidemic in our lives. I, for example, know people personally who have struggled with addiction, and sadly, I know too many people who have passed away as a result of overdose. So many of us in this community can share similar stories, which is why we're here today talking about it. The folks I have with me are here because they know all about this important issue. They're Terry Hanley, who is the executive director for For a Brighter Tomorrow, who's, and whose stepson tragically died from an overdose in 2013. <coughs> Lori Zilkowski, um, who is the founder of the Great Lakes chapter of uh, Hope Not Handcuffs and uh, Families Against Narcotics, and whose daughter is, is a person in recovery and C- Officer, sorry, Sergeant, <laughs> Chris Winzel, who is our Community Resource Officer for the Midland Police Department. Welcome to you all for joining us today and for taking your time to come and talk about this important issue. We heard uh, a minute ago about the staggering number of people that overdose each year in our community um, uh, due to and all of the impact it has on families and the deaths of loved ones. The important number, though, is just one, right, when it happens in your family. So, Terry, if we could just start with you. Could you, um, well, (coughs) first of all, let me just say that I'm so sorry about the loss of your stepson. And um, I'm sure it's impossible uh, for you, uh, really hard, to tell your story over and over again. But if you could just share with us about your son's uh, how he dealt with and lived with this epidemic and what happened to him?
2: Um, Zach was 27 when he passed away in January of 2013. Uh, he had been using for probably about five years that we knew of um, heroin uh, in and out of rehab, um, struggled with it. And there was one point that, uh, you know, he was clean long enough to know because of a job that he had and he'd gotten a really nice job. and. Uh, late fall of 2012 and then for some reason he just decided to use that night and uh, unfortunately we think he tried to use the same amount he had used before and that ended up killing him. So it was just, uh, you know, it's always something that you think about every day and always the what ifs, um, you know, but my wife and I have uh, a great family and friends that have you know, helped us through all this. and and now doing these kind of things that we do through the community have really made a change for us for the positive through all this. So,
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you yes, for ma'am. sharing your thank story. You. Um, I also know that you've done some really great things in our community. Around this issue and and I'm sure all the work that you do just really honors the memory of your of your stepson Can you tell us a little bit about some of that work um, with
2: for brighter tomorrow? We do we help um, those in the um, Recovering from addiction uh, in many different ways mostly by helping with counseling or drug testing that they may need uh, financial support there uh, We also go into the schools and speak in the schools and try to teach children out there right now uh... Mo- mostly letting them know what's going on out there in the community um, that it is here in midland it's you know not just in the big cities like mm-hmm. most of them seem to think and then we just talk to them about ways to try to avoid uh, even getting started into this situation you know by uh... watching out for opiates and um... prescription drugs these kind of things um, because right now it's, we're doing a great job in, in this community, everybody that's pitching in on this, but we just want to now just make sure kids don't even get started into this area, mm-hmm. and that would change everything, I think. That's our biggest goal right now. So so we're doing as much as we can with every group you know, combining and doing what we can to keep this situation to try to get it to level off where we can do something better now.
1: Yeah, and as I understand it, your organization also gives, um, helps uh, people struggling with addiction get the resources that they need to get help. Can you talk a little bit um, about well, that? Well,
2: we kind of point them in the right directions if they need, you know, if they're if we get phone calls that they're still struggling, we get them into Hope Not Handcuffs. Uh, that's the first call I tell mm-hmm. them to take. But, we, we you know, we help them. Uh, along the lines of, you know, if they need clothing, we try to help them with that. If they need, um, you know, if they're getting into a new house or an apartment, we try to help them with supplies that will get them started when they first move in. So it's less of a burden as they're moving in. So
1: that's great. Yes, that's great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So now I want to turn to Officer Wenzel. you heard me talk about some national statistics, um, but I wonder if you could give us a more of a local perspective on how this epidemic is impacting us in our community.
3: Yeah. So what we see is, you know, especially working with Terry, and Lori, and other community partners, is, you know, it it's all over the map in a sense that, um, you know, the people that we're losing, it doesn't matter if they're wealthy, if they're poor there's no bias Mm -hmm. and you know for us from a police agency we want to be proactive rather than reactive so you know some of the programs that we're doing where we partner with family against narcotics with the hope not handcuffs if it's narcan training if it's showing up in support of family members that have lost their loved ones you know that's part of our community and we're part of it so we want to help prevent it Um, which is unique in the sense that You know, probably started in around 2009 that we started to see 2008, 2009, some uh, prescription abuse and stuff like that with, you know, pharmacies um, being robbed, basically. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when they're addicted to those types of pills, they can't afford them, and then they turn to the heroin. And what we're seeing now is, unfortunately, a lot of it's pure fentanyl. Which is very very scary for law enforcement to deal with and very and all other first responders, so yeah. that's what we're currently seeing
1: and so you mentioned two thousand nine would you say that the instances or the numbers of calls and things that you've gotten since then has increased over those years, or
3: you know any given year it's up and down
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, obviously, in a perfect world, it'd be lovely if we didn't have any overdoses yeah. or anything like that, you know i we're there to educate and all all three of us working together that's what a, one of our main goals is to educate reduce the stigma associated with it because you know as a community if I ask a, a family member or a friend you know how do you know somebody that has cancer we raise our hand
1: mm-hmm. and
3: when we say do you know somebody who's addicted to drugs well, I don't know if I want to raise my hand yeah. we want to break those walls down mm-hmm. to say everybody needs help yeah. yeah you know and we all know somebody right. so you know we as a police department we know that we can't arrest ourselves out of this mm-hmm. um, and that's where Hope Not Handcuffs comes into play and uh, I don't want to steal Lori's thunder on that <laughs> but you know we do certain things we have survivors come in and um, talk to our officers about what they deal with on a day-to-day basis because it is a continuous struggle for them and if we're there to assist them, you know, they can lean on us when they need help.
1: Absolutely. And by the way, thank you for your service to thank our you. community. Thank Lori, I understand that your daughter is a person in recovery. So I'm sure you must have quite a bit of personal knowledge of just how devastating this epidemic can be, not only to individuals, but also families, right? Absolutely. Um, I also understand that you, like Terry and Sergeant Winsell have done important work in our community so that we can support people suffering from addiction and their families. So can you tell us a little bit about Hope Not Handcuffs? Sure. Um, So our
4: daughter Amanda will be four years in recovery from a Mm four-year IV heroin battle this month, and Mm -hmm. we're so grateful that just for today that she's well because I've met a lot of families like Terry who unfortunately did not have that happy ending. Mm -hmm. And so proud and thankful that they can step up and do something positive and try to make some lemonade out of the most bitter lemons and help other people. And that's really what stemmed from Starting Families Against Narcotics. So Mm -hmm. we celebrated our second birthday in November of 2019. And early on, Judge Gill and I from um, Bay City uh, got it going. We've had tremendous support from uh, Midland when Chief Black was here, Mm -hmm. uh, Sergeant Wenzel, the prosecutor, the judges, everybody's like, yeah, we need to do something. So Hope Not Handcuffs is a program that allows somebody struggling with addiction to walk into a police department and ask for help. So like Sergeant Wenzel said, we can't arrest our way out of a, a health crisis. Mm-hmm. And so instead of the police being against us, they're with us now. And so they walk into the police department and say, I'm struggling with addiction. The police officers greet them with compassion. Um, we have a little snack area, uh, they have them sit down, have a bottle of water, snack, and then And they call our angel. Mm -hmm. And our angel coordinator sends one of our, we've got 144 trained community volunteers that will come and assist, do the paperwork, make the phone calls, get them into treatment. We provide free transportation if they don't have any. And we really try to help break down all of the barriers to accessing that treatment. We also have a monthly meeting at Delta College the second Thursday of the month from 7 to 8 p.m. And everybody's welcome to attend. So family members can come because oftentimes we're the ones who don't have resources and support and we feel very alone and this is Mm -hmm. where everybody can come. You will Mm -hmm. be in a room full of people who get it and we can be there to support you and to break down the stigma. This doesn't have to be a hide them in the church basement anonymous thing anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, We want to be seen. We want people to know this happened in my family and we're great families and my kids were great kids and um, we need to as a community step up and say it's okay to talk about it. We have to talk about it because that's how you fix it when you bring it into the light
1: absolutely which is you know why we're sort of talking about it here mm-hmm. today and it's so important can you can you share with us a little bit about um, you know when the Hope Not Handcuffs program got started here mm-hmm. in Midland, and maybe if you've got um, some statistics on the number of folks that you've helped sure. since it started. We've
4: celebrated.
1: I think we're at 18 months. We launched in okay. July
4: of 2018, and since then we've placed 141 community members in Bay Saginaw wow. and Midland County. The program runs in several other communities throughout the state, some of the higher populated communities down south of us. And so far, in the first two three years, it just celebrated its third year anniversary. We're almost serving 4,000 people getting. Wow them into treatment. Wow. So this program works and it costs the police departments zero dollars because that's always an yeah. issue. Um, because we're all volunteer run and all they do is is assist us with that. They buy into the program and say yeah let's try that alternative and it's working. It's that's working. Great. We have um, one of our early members, he's now 19 months in recovery that come and he speaks with me. We just spoke to our police academy cadets at mm-hmm. Delta College. Uh, so he's living proof that this program works and the police were so instrumental in saying, yeah, let's do this. That's so great. So all it really Mm -hmm.
1: costs is just having the space for someone to come in. They just allow us to use the lobby, right? Yeah, and and make the phone call. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
4: We we even pay for the snacks. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Donated 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 snacks. snacks. Yeah. So it's literally a community effort, um, and the police. It wouldn't have happened without the participation of the police departments and yeah. the well wishes of of Judge Beale and the pro, J.D. Brooks the prosecutor mm-hmm. um, Chief Block everybody had to say yes and they yeah. did say yes that's awesome. and it's
1: working that's so great and so these angels mm-hmm. right so uh, tell me about their training what, what what's involved with all of that? A
4: person will go through a two-hour training um, we okay. generally hold them at Delta College and okay. you can find that on the Families Against Narcotics website if you look under the programs great. for Hope Not Handcuffs and you learn how to compassionately um, approach a person, you learn a little bit about addiction and why it is a disease Mm -hmm, and not mm -hmm, a choice. mm -hmm. Uh, You learn how to fill out the paperwork and then you get on a a group text with us and when we have a call like we did today that comes up on your phone, we have a call at the police department who can go assist and whoever says first I'm there and they fight over who gets to go there first (laughs) 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 Yeah, and they show up and then then we assist them um, getting into treatment.
1: Wow, that's really great. And you mentioned um, breaking down the barrier of stigma, Mm -hmm. right? Which is, it's got to be one of the biggest barriers I can imagine. And just having this partnership with the the police force and Mm -hmm. all of that, I think really must do a really good job. And I think the stigma that that. the
4: police are there to punish you, um, because historically that was kind of the model. And maybe it worked in the old days, but it's not working in this epidemic. And it's a bad day at work for these guys when they have to Narcan the same person over and over, and maybe the third or fourth time they go and it doesn't work. Or they have to go knock on somebody's door and tell them that their loved one passed away. That's a bad day at work Mm -hmm. when you're a police officer. So it's not been easy on first responders either. Mm -hmm. Um, Nothing that we've seen before. But we can dial this back. (coughs) This epidemic didn't exist 10 years ago. And we are seeing a decrease in deaths, but that's largely due to the availability of Narcan. Mm -hmm. So people aren't dying as frequently, yeah. but that doesn't mean that the overdoses themselves are declining. Uh-huh. Um, so we are triaging it by stopping the dying first. Mm-hmm. Now we need to get those people the help that they need. But more importantly, the prevention piece, like the Legacy Center does, is don't get started in the first place, yeah. especially if you're under the age of 21 when your brain's still developing. Mm-hmm. It's a really dangerous time to try any substances, including vaping or marijuana or alcohol or mm-hmm. prescription drugs. Adderall is the number one abuse prescription medication on the college campus, so any of those things can lead someone else down that path absolutely
2: there's plenty amazing. of narcan training going on in mm-hmm. the community now that between the legacy center uh fan there's plenty of narcan training that if people don't understand what it is they can come to a fan meeting or mm-hmm. legacy center has a couple plan in the near future that are you know we're trying to get in into businesses now uh that we're training people in businesses to be able to use narcan That's so great. that People are prepared if because it, it can happen anywhere, you know. It's just not happening in people's houses. Mm-hmm. Overdoses can happen anywhere, and if yeah. you're trained, it's important to try to save that life. Cause sure that amount of time before the first responders show up is mm-hmm. is important mm-hmm. to save yep. a life. So.
1: I would love to get uh, information about where and when those trainings sure, are yes, so ma'am. that we can share that information out to the community too. Yes, it's, it's As I'm listening to y'all talk about this important work that you do, I'm sort of picturing this sort of safety net that you're kind of weaving together with all of the, your different perspectives right with mm-hmm. the resources and the the police officer involvement and all of the, the the angels and all of that sort of coming together in our community to um, to really tackle this program and it's sort of a it's a beautiful thing to think about all of all of these pieces that are working so well together in order okay. to help the folks who need the help um, So thank you all for working in our community to do that and it it takes community crusaders Mm -hmm. right like you all um, that can help turn a big problem around uh, a problem that's been you know sort of boiling for for a decade Um, it also can, can also take some legislation right to help support the work that folks are doing in the community and Um, There have been several bills that have been passed in the last year. Um, Most of them sort of aimed at uh, regulating pharmacies and doctors. Mm -hmm. Um, This has caused um, some pressure that I've been noticing on on doctors and pharmacies. and who need to bear some responsibility in this, but it shouldn't sit all of the responsibility on their shoulders. So I know that there are also some bills that are more aimed at um, education, some of the things that you all talked about. There's a bill right now um, that's working its way through uh, the Michigan legislature um, that would help educate ninth graders, mm-hmm. like you, you, yep. you all talked about, sort of that early on education about opioid abuse. Um, another that would require the state to develop uh, pamphlets that would be um, provided to injured athletes, so young injured athletes, yep. Yep. you know, That's as big. they're kind yeah. of um, in that phase of their of their treatment. Um, there's also bills that would mandate um, electronic transmission of uh, opioid and benzo uh, prescriptions, so really being able to track that. Um, and another that would classify corrections officers as first responders so that they could um, administer the um, opioid antagonist. So there's some work being done legislati- legislatively, and I think like that combined with the work that you all do in the community and the work that we can all continue to do in the community can really build that um, safety net. So I don't know if you have any thoughts about those um, legislations, those ideas, legislative ideas in particular, and if you think any of them in particular would be helpful here and what you know about. Well,
4: some of the ones that have already <laughs> passed have significantly helped, like the, um, having to check maps, which is a database that shows every narcotics prescription that a person got. So if they were oh, doctor yeah. shopping, that was a huge legislative yeah, change sure. that helped stop it. Um, yeah. Mandating that doctors could only prescribe seven pills at a time mm-hmm. instead of 30 or 60 or 90 mm-hmm. to get those leftover drugs out of cabinets, that's helped. So when you're taking yeah. a look at some of this new legislation, absolutely. Yeah. We need to be educating our young people. We've seen that model work other things like decreasing teen pregnancies by providing education about it we have to educate ninth graders are smart and they're smarter than you are about drugs and what the drug culture is and so if if people think oh if we talk about it they're going to do it believe me they know more than you do already and so we have to do that one of the resources we got this summer is called a hidden in plain sight trailer it's a mobile unit that looks like a teenager's bedroom and we take it across the community for parents to tour it and it has obvious and not so obvious signs of drug use to help educate parents on what to look for what some of the signs might be for drug use and it's a really amazing type of thing we do that in conjunction with other um, other uh, organizations as well so that's available for free in Bay City Saginaw Midland County they can just connect with us at fan to get that yeah it's an amazing thing so you know uh, we kind of waited for the government to come save us or the medical community to come and save us nobody was coming to save us and so we as community members stepped up but i I, politics moves slowly yeah. Um, a little bit yeah. more slowly than what we'd like or a little more have a sense of urgency but we are seeing some movement in the right direction. Right. The money's continuing to come in from the federal government to provide us with Narcan that cannot end right now. Yeah. We need that so if the state level if there's any money available from the state for Narcan continuing okay. education. Um, breaking down the barriers to get people placed into treatment right now there is county by county, so we can only place people within 21 counties if they're within um, mid-state. MDHS is looking at a different model for that. So we do have to look at it from a local, a state, and a national model on how do we fix this from a legislative perspective. So there are things that can be done for sure. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for that perspective. Mm -hmm. Sounds like there's a lot of work that needs to be done locally, legislatively in our state, nationally, and if we can all recognize the urgency of this Yes, yeah, so it's and that work sense together, of urgency. Yeah, um, we can really make it. A, a, it's a complex a problem, so it's
4: multifaceted. Yeah. There's just not one solution, and so any and all of those solutions are viable. And we're so thankful that the legislators legislators are looking at some of those things on how can what play what role can they play in helping yeah. to dial back this epidemic. That's really great.
1: Any other thoughts about the legislative side of things?
2: Um, I just like the educational piece. You know, yeah. we go into the schools right now with the Legacy Center and talk to the kids and. I agree with Lori 100%. Even the 7th uh, and 8th graders that I speak with are smarter than mm-hmm. I am on a lot of things that are going on. Yeah. And they see what's happening yeah. in their schools and they know what it's a problem and they're trying to mm-hmm. learn from it so they don't make those mm-hmm. mistakes. And it seems to be working.
1: That's right. Well, I know my... Uh Sixth grader is smarter than me on most things. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> so, That's me. absolutely, very good. All right. Well, our time is up, and I just want to thank you all for joining me today, um, Terry and Lori and Chris. Um, I appreciate your time. Time is the most precious thing that we can <laughs> offer each other, and to make and coming together to talk about the issues that are so important to us in our community is the is the most valuable use of our time. I think. Um, And to those of you listening uh, or watching from home, if you have any stories uh, that you want to share or issues that you'd like me to address in future shows, you can email me directly at sarah at sarah4mi.org. We look forward to our next show where we will address another issue that impacts the lives of everyday folks like you and me because it's always been about putting people over politics. Thank you.